everyone, this is your girl Natasha. I'm an event planner, a new published author, and a host. And I would love to welcome you to my show called The Remedy with Natasha. And that's the with an A. The Remedy is where we open up the conversation about health conditions and their effects on the individual, their lifestyles, and their families. everyone welcome to the remedy this is your girl natasha and today's guest is miss clarice hi miss clarice how are you doing good how are you i'm doing great i'm doing great so tell us a little bit about yourself well my name is clarice jordan and i am a 52 year old african-american female and i have no children um but I am an author, a two-time best-selling author. Um, I'm a diabetic. <laughs> I have a, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, no children of my own. So that's <laughs> who I am. Okay, well that sounds good. <laughs> so today's topic will be about HIV. HIV is known as human immunodeficiency virus. HIV causes AIDS and interferes with the body's ability to fight infection. The virus can be transmitted through contact with infected blood, semen, or vaginal fluid. And so, Ms. Clarice, is this what you have? It is. I have been HIV positive for now 40 years. I oh, contracted, wow. <laughs> yeah, contracted it wow. when I was 16 years old. Oh, okay. And how did you how did you find out that you had this disease? This well, that can be a long story. Um, but basically I found out when my boyfriend, my only boyfriend, um tried to get into service. And my brother mm -hmm. was the Navy recruiter. But my brother is not the one that tested him. Another Navy recruiter tested him. And for whatever reason, my brother brought my picture into the Naval um, recruiter's office and um, was showing my prom picture. And um, when he showed the prom picture, he said, uh, the guy said, man, that's your girl, that's your sister. And he said, yes. And he said, and that's her boyfriend. And my brother said, yes. He said, well, I need to let you know something. And so he showed my brother my boyfriend's records of why he could not get in the service. So my brother had to come home and tell my mother, who then when I got in from school, had to tell me that I needed to call the doctor and get tested. So I um, got, got tested. I'm Got tested, and um, it back then in '89 when I found out I had it. I had it. I got it when I was 16, but I found out that I had it when I was 18. Um, oh wow! Okay, so yeah. okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. So um, I called the doctor, and she said, "Well, come on in, and I'll test you." And um, so it took about a month and a half for my results to come in, but I had convinced myself, well. You know, in 89, it was known as the gay white male disease. So I convinced right. myself there's no way I could have it. I'm not gay. I'm not white. He's not gay. He's not white. Um, so we. this is not something that we have to worry about. So um, I'm getting ready for prom and I've gone ahead and graduated and everything. And so 
the end of June, she calls me back in 89 and says, I have your results. And if you don't come in, I will have the police come and pick you up. And mm-hmm. I should have knew something then, but I, I still didn't. I had, I was in total denial about it. And so when I got to her office, she came in, there was no small talk. It was, you're HIV positive. You're going to die by the time you're 24, make an appointment at the front desk. That was the whole thing. And um, the first thing I did was um, I called my mom, you know, and my mother told me to come home and don't tell anyone, you know, she didn't handle it so well as a lot of African-American mm. mothers or, or parents uh, right. didn't handle it well in, in especially Right, especially because it was still brand new. Nobody really kind of knew about it. It was it was a whole stigma behind it at that it, time, right? Exactly, exactly. So um, that's how I found out um, mm. that I had it. Okay. And like when you when the doctor told you like you have this, how did you feel at um, that moment? I equated to I don't know if you're old enough to remember, you know, well, I know you you've seen Charlie Brown, the cartoon, and you and on it on Charlie Brown, you have the teacher when she's talking, all she says is <laughs> right. That's that's all I heard until she said die 24. And so mm-hmm. she had to repeat it. And I was just, I think I was in a state of shock. Right. For, because for you, didn't, you didn't expect it. Because as you said, it was known as the gay white man's disease. So it was like, you know. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You know, and to feel, you know, I was just, you know, like, I, I know this, this can't be real. Somebody's going to, you know, this is a prank. Somebody's going to come in and say, you've been pranked. Something mm-hmm. because there's just no way that I could have gotten HIV from my my boyfriend. And then when they told me that I probably got it when I was 16. So that was the first time I ever had sex. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I was a virgin till that time. And he, he actually gave me HIV. Right, then, you know, I was just, I was in shock. He was older than you, or you guys the same age? Um, he was two years older. He was two, three oh. years older than I was. Oh, okay, and then so he, so he didn't know either. I'm assuming. No, he didn't know. He oh, knew because he oh. tried. He knew that he had gotten denied from the service. Hmm. But he never said anything to me until I questioned him. Right. After I right. found out that I had it. Okay. You know, he, just, so, he called me, you know, because he wasn't calling or anything after we had gotten together. He had stopped calling, you know, we had dated for two years. Um, but he all of a sudden stopped calling. And then one day he called and you know, he was, hey, baby, what's up? And I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Hey, baby, what's up? Did you forget to tell me something? Right. You know? <laughs> mm. And then he tried to make excuses that he didn't, you know, one test came back positive, one test came back negative, And that then he wanted to know how I found out. Of course, he already knew how I found out. But I, mm-hmm. I said, you know how I found out. My brother is a neighbor recruiter. Did you forget about that? Well, I can get your brother in trouble. I said, how are you going to get him in trouble? For telling his sister something that she needed to know. Right, exactly. Yeah, and wow. so the last thing I said to him was, you know what? 
you go on with your life because you're going to die before I will. You know, you did this, but you you definitely will die before I will. Mm. And I hung up, you know, I hung up my phone and I never talked to him after that. Oh, wow. So you don't yeah. know if he's alive or anything? No, he is dead. I do know he, he died. He died um, in 95. Oh, okay. 95. Was it because of the AIDS or was it something else? It was from an AIDS-related cancer. You know, back then, you know, um, he had some kind of cancer and it was an AIDS-related cancer. But um, he did die. I, you know, I kept me, you know, I would see his sisters and stuff every now and then on the bus. And they were telling me, he wants to see you. And I was like, no, I don't think he wants to see me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think you ought to, you know, find out what happened between us. I don't think he wants to see me. And so I found out afterwards, um, someone that he went to school with. Um, okay. knew my mother and my mother told me that he had died but he uh, also he gave it to another young lady when she was um 14 mm. and she didn't find out she had it until she was 17 she got married um had a baby and her 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 husband and her baby they're all gone so in oh, that scenario i'm the only one still left here to tell about it oh wow wow well i'm grateful that you are still here to tell about it um so with so those two years when you from when you contracted it you didn't have any symptoms or anything indicating something was wrong with you I was having some little health problems like I was having strep throats a lot and my tonsils got enlarged little things like that but I didn't know the symptoms you know of HIV, so mm. I wouldn't have known, you know. So I have to say, not really. Okay. And that's the thing with HIV: the window period of HIV, you don't have any symptoms, and if you do, they're cold and flu-like symptoms. Mm, okay. Oh wow. Okay. And okay. So when the doctor told you, um, when she diagnosed you and told you you have this, um, this this virus. Did she put you on medications right away? Like, what was the regimen? She, she did not. Back then, when I found out, you did not go on reg on a HIV medicine until because there really were not a lot of HIV medicines. And when I first found out, they were just starting to come work on finding out what medicine people with HIV or AIDS could take because there wasn't any. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so you had to wait until you were almost getting ready to be diagnosed with AIDS. Oh, um, wow. So, so your T cells had to drop to 200 or below before they even could try to put you on any medicine, if there was any to put you on. Fortunately for me, when my, my T cells did not drop to 200 or below, so I was never diagnosed with AIDS, but I was, um, my T cells dropped to about 300. And when they dropped to 300 and I went in the hospital for a pneumonia, I had a pneumonia. Um, and so I went in the hospital for about 10 days. And that is when they sent me to an infectious disease doctor and mm -hmm. he put me on um, AZT. That was the medicine that that you could take at that time. Now, let me tell you, that's no walk in the park. Um, mm -hmm. That AZT was very toxic. You had to take a lot of it you know, many times a day. And it was very, very toxic to your system. Um, 
I can remember, you know, uh, just not feeling well. It gave you very, very bad mood swings. Um, you could lose your bowels at any time. Um, there was actually an AZT medicine that could stop your heart at any time. And so mm -hmm. I went from never having to take medicine to taking over 20, mm -hmm. 20 of this, of HIV pills. It was mm -hmm. Compavir and Virocep. And you had to take that three to four times a day. And mm. um, so it was no walk in the park. So with the, with the HIV medication, is it just to, is it to help prevent the AIDS or like, what is it to, what is it, what is it meant to do? Okay. HIV medicine. And first of all, HIV is the virus that causes AIDS. Okay. So Correct. AIDS mm -hmm. is the, it's all in the same family. Um, but AIDS is the last stage of it. So the HIV mm -hmm. medicine is to try to get to make uh, to uh, to stop the HIV virus, because what it does is it gets in your immune system and it turns your cells that are supposed to fight your fighting cells. It turns it into one of their cells. That's oh, what it does in your immune system. So the medicine is designed to stop the the um, HIV virus from turning your good cells, your fighter cells, into one of theirs. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. And then, so are you currently still on this medication, or since times change and stuff gotten more advanced and we have more knowledge? Oh, times have changed a lot. Times have okay. changed a lot. So there are a lot more medicines. We have gone from having to take 20 of one pill to uh, a, a, a one day pill that has three different pills in it. So, so, so I, um, I only have to take one HIV medicines, but for me, because I got sick, I, mm -hmm. um, you know, the HIV virus made me sick. I had a lot of health problems. I'm, I almost died 12 times. Like I said, I um, had, I have diabetes and so I have asthma and different mm -hmm. things because of me having HIV. I just, I got sick. And so I take um, one HIV medicines, but I altogether take now about 20 um, medicines altogether for all of the health problems because I, I ha I'm a diabetic. I have uh, uh, asthma. I have hypertension. I have hypertension of the lungs. So I have other issues. Um, right. so, um, but the HIV reg regiment that I am on now is only one pill. Okay. And then, so the HIV caused you to cause these other health conditions to come about? The HIV caused the breathing issues. The diabetic issues came because of the steroids they had to put me on mm. <laughs> from having the pneumonia. So, you know, steroids causes diabetes. So that's why I mm -hmm. have diabetes. Um, and then because of the extra weight that I carried, I, I became, I got hypertension. So right. it all kind of works together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and some of it is because now, you know, um, I was supposed to die when I was 24. I did not die, you know, thanks to the grace of God. Um, but now I am what you call HIV positive and aging because now I am 52 years old. So there are some things that come along with being aging now. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Okay. 
so that comes with the HIV and the aging? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. You know, I still have, you know, I have HIV and so I have to take the HIV medicine, but I also have to deal with what you deal with as you get older. As you get older. Correct. Okay. Got it. (laughs) I'm just trying to clarify for myself that I understood what you were saying, but okay. So, um, so you found out when you were 18, when you found out, did, did that kind of, kind of hinder you from continuing like you know maybe going to college or the plant the future plans that you had did it stop you from doing that oh absolutely for me it did it stopped mm-hmm. me I never went to college I never tried to you know date or get married or anything I didn't you know once I found out I was positive I had not been with anyone um romantically in almost 30 37 years so it wow. stopped that um, but then it stopped me from going to college. So um, I am I'm enrolled in college now at 52 years old. But I was I went home waiting to die. She told me I was going to die. So, so my you, so I went home preparing to die. Right. Um, that's the that's the part that kind of that kind of sucks because it's like. Well, I don't want to continue on because what's the purpose? I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be here what three, four years from now or five, you know. So I kind of understand that. But then it's like, man, I wish I would have just went to school or continue with my future plans regardless. Right, but there were, you know, I didn't just sit at home. I, you know, I had a, I had a what I call a come to Jesus moment. I. Hmm. um, where I, I, you know, heard God because I, I am very much into the church. I'm saved. I'm, I'm a believer. And so mm-hmm. I heard, you know, God tell me, what are you sitting here waiting to die for? Mm-hmm. And I, I showed yeah. myself and I said, I'm, if HIV is going to take me, it's going to take me working, doing things. So I got involved in the HIV AIDS world. And I became an mm-hmm. activist and I started volunteering and I started speaking and telling people, you know, um, about HIV, how to protect yourself. I got educated. Then I started speaking and telling people how to protect yourself from HIV and what HIV was and how mm-hmm. you prevent it. That, that's what I dedicated my life to. I started mentoring newly infected people. I did not want people to feel the way I felt when I found out because I all my emotions, everything that I had had about HIV, everything I felt about HIV, I had to work that out within myself. Within myself, I didn't have anybody to talk to or or to go to the doctor with me or any of that. I had to deal with it by myself, and I didn't want other people to deal with it. And so my job mm-hmm. became to show them what HIV looks like. You know, you know, because in America we think that people with HIV are emaciated and and um, they're not they're dirty or whatever. We think we think of those pictures that we see of people living from Africa, the pictures that the media show you. That's right. what we thought of, but that is not what the face of HIV or the face of AIDS is. It you know, a person with HIV doesn't look any different from you or me. We look the same. Right. So, you know, the only way that someone would know what a person with HIV looks like is that is that if I go and I tell my story, you know, that HIV doesn't have a look. 
you know, right. it's, it's the disease that I have. And so I dedicated my time and my life to educating people so that people would not end up like me. Right. And around what time did you start becoming an activist? I started, I was um, about 25 mm-hmm. when I started um, being an activist. Because like I told you, they told me I was going to be dead when I was 24. Right. And then how, so when you made it to your 24th birthday and you were still alive and kicking, like what was your, what was your uh, reaction or your thought at that moment? My reaction was one, to, to thank God. Because, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I realized that I had to do something with my life. God had left me here for a reason. And I was going to have to be responsible for getting the message out. I've never been a person that has embarrassed. I've always been an outgoing person as far as my speaking about things that are going on with me. I've always been a transparent person. And so my job was, you know, to get the message out. And that's what I just got busy. I got busy um, in the HIV AIDS world doing what needed to be done. Okay. You know, but also educating young people because I got it when I was 16. Had I known, you know, really what, you know, that HIV was not a gay white male disease that anyone could get it, you know, I think I would have done something more to protect myself. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So my job was to ed- what is to educate and was to educate. That's what I do. Right. I mean okay. for, you know, people living with HIV. Right. And so being you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, basically you only had one partner um, until, you know, forever, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. What it was it hard for you to. Well, no, no, that wasn't hard. What was the reason behind you not seeking or being with someone else? Romantically? There were, I was scared of rejection. Okay. Um, that was the main, main thing. I was scared of rejection. And then I was, I was, I think I was angry for a long time because mm-hmm. this, you know, this was something that was purposely done to me. You know, right. he knew he he chose to still have unprotected sex with me and he did not tell me. So I was just like, mm, forget that. You know, later I could, you know, I could do bad all by myself. Right. You know, I, and I wasn't really even thinking about being with a man that way. I, I'm just trying to live. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't want to be rejected. Right. And do you still feel this way? Oh, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> okay. So are you, are you dating now or? I I am dating. Um, and I, I love it. You know, you know, HIV has changed so that, um, I can date, you know, I, mm-hmm. I know enough about the virus and I'm secure in who I am that if someone does not want to be with me, it's listen, it's they're lost. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when you okay, let's say you met a man. Um, when does the conversation about you having HIV come up? For me, like, uh-huh. For me, because of just who I am, 
I'm an advocator. So most, most of the time people have either seen me in the newspaper or in a magazine, some somewhere. But for me, I tell it, I, I have that conversation immediately. It's not that way for everyone. But for me, mm-hmm. that's the conversation. That's, you know, when, when, when uh, you say, hi, how you doing? And we, you know, I'm, I'm usually going to say, hi, how you doing? You know, I'm HIV positive because I want to see what they're going to say. Right, right. That's and you don't want to waste your time. And you don't want to waste your time. Right. And so that's <laughs> how I am. Um, okay. Okay. So when, okay, so you mentioned that when you found out and you told your mom, she told you not to tell nobody and whatnot. So when did you eventually let people know that you had HIV? I, even though my mother told me not to tell anyone, I still told, I told my friends because here's the thing with me. Like I said, I've always been a very transparent person. HIV was part of what I was going to have to deal with. It was part Mm -hmm. of who I am. So I have never been a person to hide what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. I I did nothing wrong. Right. So um, I didn't have anything to be ashamed of. So even though my mother told me I shouldn't, you know, say anything or I, I still said it, you know, and people didn't always understand why I was so transparent about it. You know, people, mm-hmm. you know, there have been people that said, why, well, how would you, why do you tell that? Aren't you embarrassed? Aren't you ashamed? Um, why would you just be quiet about it? Because that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I did nothing wrong. And if for me, the Lord used this as a ministry for me. So mm-hmm. yes, it was it, it was tragic that it happened, but I tell people all the time, it, it was meant to happen to me because of what I needed to do in the earth. Mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew you had a voice that was going to get across to somebody. Right. So mm-hmm. you know, I always tell people that in life, you know, we're on a stage. My pastor t- uh, told me that a long time ago. It's like life is like we're on this one big stage. And in, in a play, when you're on a stage, everyone plays a different part. Mm-hmm. HIV is my part. It was meant to happen. Right. So it, it, it was meant to happen, not just for me, but to help other people. Right. So... Right. Your story. Which, yeah. Which should have been a death sentence to me. God has turned it around and it is not a death sentence. And it mm-hmm. is not, you know, it's, it's not a tragedy for me anymore. It is, it's just who I am and it's my ministry. Right. Your story is to reach somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that's so, that's, that's awesome that, you know, God has, God is using you, you know, to be an advocate and a voice for others because, you know, especially back in the day when it was freshly out and people didn't know, you know, it was all types of stigmas behind it. People are scared. They want to hide and, you know, keep it to themselves, you know, but now as, you know, time has passed and, you know, like I said, it's stuff is more advanced and with technology and all this other stuff. Um, you know, people are able to live live their life not in fear of dying. Right. right. And here's mm-hmm. the other thing with that. 
if a person with HIV takes their medicine the way they're supposed to, they can mm -hmm. get to undetectable. Undetectable is when there is not enough of the virus in your body because the medicine has worked and done what it was supposed to be do. So mm -hmm. if you get to undetectable, now undetectable means untransmittable. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Which means I could be um, with a man and I, you know, I could, um, if I marry him or whatever, or I want to be intimate with him, I could not, I won't pass it to him. So, that, okay. so there's now, there's this thing called U equals U, which means un, undetectable, untransmittable. Okay. And with that, um, is there a possibility that you can get it again? If no, once I have HIV, once I once I have HIV, I can't get it again. I could get something else. Mm, okay. You know, so you still should be careful. You know about who you are with and who your partners are. Absolutely. Um. But but what could you know? So I could get H. I could get another sexually transmitted disease, or say um. If I'm with someone that has HIV, but he has a different strain than I have, I could contract his strain or my, our strains can get together and mutate. Mm. If, if that if that makes sense to you. Yeah. So you still have to be very careful, but I won't pass it. I could be with someone that I'm, let me say for me, in, in a marriage, I could be with my husband and he could be negative and I could be positive and he won't get it. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. But if that is not, you know, let me say this, that is not for you just to go and say, well, since, you know, since I'm, I'm undetectable, I could just go and just have, you know, an orgy with whoever mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. have, you know, just, just go have unprotected sex and don't nothing, know nothing about them because there are other STDs out. Absolutely. Right, exactly. I'm here, I'm here to STDs out, and, and I say if you're doing, if you're putting yourself at risk, it's free to anybody who wants it. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know, so you still have to actually absolutely um, protect yourself. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, being an advocate and all this, uh, um, has the has the HIV ever caused you? Like, has it ever hindered your finances? Are you able to work a regular job? No, I, because of the sicknesses that I had, I was mm -hmm. I am not able to work a regular job um, mm -hmm. because of um, some of the sicknesses that I had. So, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. It does affect my finances because where I should have been able to work, you know, work, I, I'm on Social Security Disability. You know, Social Security mm -hmm. Disability is not a whole lot of money. Right. <laughs> trust, me, trust me, trust me. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um every now and then, if you know, there have been times that I have tried to work and I, you know, my my love was always working with kids. So I was either working in the daycare or I was working with a youth program or something. And so of course kids are Jeremy. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, right. and, and and so um I would catch their little germs. Mm -hmm. And then 
I would get sick. And then so I would have to end up coming off the job because it was just too much. Mm. You know, the one thing that people know about me, I love children. Mm -hmm. And and children usually love me. (laughs) My body doesn't like all the germs that they have. Right, exactly. So, okay. So, uh, so because you decided to, you went through the stage of being angry and all this stuff. So you decided, you know, basically not to deal with somebody else. Right. And since you stated that you love children, how do you feel about not having your own? For a very long time, that bothered me. Um, That Mm -hmm. was one of the main things that I had to get over was not being able to have any children of my own. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, my reality is that I was not meant to have any. Um, So what I did was I I started saying, you know, just thinking, you know, I've mentored and I've gone and spoke to so many students over the years. So I, I began to look at them as, you know, this is this is a way this is a way that I, I can work with children, but not have any, you know, so I say these are my babies, but I'm mm-hmm. not take care of none of them. Right. You know, so that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, and, um, I, I worked in a youth, you know, youth program and they were, you know, um, I used to work in a youth program with the LGBTQ community. And so. Those are, you know, those children, a lot of things have happened to them over the years in their lives. And so they Mm -hmm. needed mothering. And so I I just started mothering them and loving on them and nurturing them, you know. And so some of them still call me, you know, either Mother Clarice or they call me Aunt Clarice. But, you know, and and some of them are grown now, good and grown. But they when they see me, it's either Mom Clarice or, or Aunt Clarice. So... Um, at one time I heard mom so much. I was just mm-hmm. like, Lord, I, I don't, they can stop calling me mom because <laughs> <laughs> I just heard it so much. So, you know, the Lord always has a way of, of giving you what you need. And I needed yes. the love of children. So he allowed me to work with a, a, a community of young people that needed the, that needed the love of a mother. Mm-hmm. Right. And, as for yeah, I mean, as for me, um, I'm not too sure if you know my story, but um, I as well have diabetes. I've been diabetic since I was age of 12, and now I'm on. Um, I have kidney failure, so I'm on dialysis, and I've always longed to have a family of my own, have a child, and when I got on dialysis, it was like no, you can't have kids. Like you can't carry them. It's so much of a high risk. And it's just so many, you know, things that can go wrong. So I decided to do foster care and it took me a long time to come to the decision to do foster care and um, foster to adopt actually. And um, I got my first baby last year. She ended up leaving me. And then um, now I have a little boy and, you know, I've come to terms like, this is what I'm, you know, I'm, I'm meant to, maybe I'm meant to, you know, adopt somebody else's child, some, you know, a child that needs a mother. Absolutely. And, you know, so like I completely, you know, g- agree and commend you for being a mentor. 
you know, right? And let me tell you, I, I even tried. You know, I tried, you know, like three, four years ago. I said, oh, you know, listening to, you know, because I had a gynecologist tell me, oh, Miss Jordan, you're just, you know, you're so nurturing. You know, we mm-hmm. want you to try to have a baby. We just feel you should try to have a baby. And I was supposed to get a procedure done. And they were like, no, we're not going to do it until you have a baby. And they were talking me into going to get artificially inseminated mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that. And so I then when I met with you know, the OBGYN, they were just like, listen, you cannot care with all your other health problems. You cannot safely Mm -hmm. carry a baby. Mm -hmm. And so I just had to put that to rest. Mm -hmm. That's all. And then my mom kept pushing it like, you're not, you can't have no kids. Like not have, I can't have no kids. I can't carry no kids. So it's like, but I want to (laughs) try, you know, like I, I really wanted to have, I wanted to see me in a little person. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> and right. it's, it was like, like I, like I said, it, like, it took me a while, a minute to actually come to terms on being, you know, unadopted. But then when I found out how much adoption was, and then I was like, well, maybe I can get a surrogate. And I found out how much that was. And I'm like, Mm-mm, it's too expensive. It so is. then I found I found the route of foster to adopt. And even though like I'm grateful for this journey, it's is hard because I see many aspects of you know the the system. And right. it's not a good thing. So and I'm a, like because I won my own, it's like you just it's a lot of things I question. And <laughs> and it's like, you know, but you know, I, I like I said, I, I had to come to terms that. I'm not meant to have my own. I'm meant to do this. Um, right. And it's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. There have been mm-hmm. many days that I've said to God, and um, I feel like I feel like I was robbed. You know, I was robbed. Mm-hmm. I was robbed of of my chance to be, you know, a real woman. And or, you know, I am a real woman, but I felt like because right. I could not mm-hmm. carry a baby and I could not bring a baby here. That mm-hmm. I, I was less than a woman. Mm-hmm. And I had to deal with those feelings. I had to deal with the anger of not being able to have kids because I would tell people the one thing, you know, you knew, if anybody knew me, knew that I wanted to have babies. I wanted right. to be married and I wanted to have babies. Um, and I felt like that was taken from me. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, you were just meant to be a mother in a different form. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, God, I commend you for that. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. I, and I truly understand um, that feeling of, you know, wanting that child and not being able to have that child. So, you know, but, um, you know, it's other, you know, people out there, mainly women, who have, you know, maybe they you know, might have caught the HIV virus or, you know, or they probably have that stigma in their head. Like, is there any type of encouraging words or advice that you would like to give well, here's anyone the thing out there? Now, here's the thing mm-hmm. about now. now, um, HIV and the medicines and things have, have progressed so that a woman with HIV could safely bring a baby into the world and the baby will not have HIV. 
So I know a lot of women now that that are HIV positive and they are having babies every day. When I found out that I had HIV, they would they 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 asked you, you know, they they would tell you not to get pregnant because of the fact that you can pass it to your baby. But now if you take your medicine the way you're supposed to, you can have a baby and 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 your baby is totally healthy. It mm, all depends right. on how the mother takes care of herself. Right. So, you know, so you can, you know, HIV does not stop a woman from doing anything that a woman naturally does. But right. if there is a woman out there that has something, not just HIV, but diabetes, kidney failure, whatever, and you can't, or you just cannot conceive a baby, you are still a whole woman. It just may be that, you know, where we see our lives going may not be the way that God sees our lives going. So, so like in my case, or in, in, um, in your case, it may be that the way we're supposed to have a child is just totally different from having to carry that child and then to go through all of that pain to bring that child here. So there are other ways that you can be mothers. Right. Right. And then can you also give advice to someone out there fighting this, this virus? The first thing for, for if you are here fighting the virus, um, you have to, for me, you have to understand HIV is the disease that you have. It has nothing to do with your character or your integrity or who you are or as a person. It has everything to do with the disease that you have. So you have to take care of yourself, but you are still the same person you were before you got HIV. Mm -hmm. So, um, so just know that HIV is no longer the death sentence that it used to be. You can live a joyful life. You deserve to live a joyful life um, and be happy. You know, I, I always say I'm not just happy, I'm joyful because happiness comes and goes depending on the situation. Joy, mm -hmm. Being joyful and having joy, it could be hell all around you and your life is just in turmoil, but, turmoil, but you are still joyful. You still have joy. So I tell, so my job is to help mentor people with HIV to get them to acceptance and understanding what they have so that they will then really embrace the fact that they are, they, sh they can and should live a joyful life. Right. So that's my advice to anybody, you know, deal with your feelings that you have about it and then you can live a joyful life. You know, um, I, you know, I just recently, at, you know, did an anthropology project with Love Wins Publishing Company to um, tell uh, the stories of survivors like myself that mm -hmm. are living with HIV. And, um, and I did it in a confidential way so that they could feel safe to tell their story and no one knows their names. I'm the only person that that's name is on the book. But it tells the story of survival. Right. And you can, you know, just because you have HIV, it is not a death sentence. You can survive. You can live. You can live a joyful life. You can fall in love. You can, you know, you can be in a relationship. You can be a mother. You can be a father. You can still do everything that you want to do in life. Right. Right.
And speaking of this anthology, you mentioned earlier that you are a two-time published author. You want to advertise your books? Yes. The first book I did, I did with Tanya DeFratis, and, and it is called um, and Love Wins Publishing Company. It's called Brutal Courage, the Remix. The second book that I did was my uh, anthropology project, and I did it with Love Wins Publishing Company, and it is called Life After. And um, and it is a story, it is a book that was written by, there was 12 HIV positive, well, 11 HIV positives, people other than myself, and we mm-hmm. all told our stories of living with the virus. Okay. So it is on Amazon right now. You can go on Amazon. You can put in Clarice A. Jordan, which is C-L-A-R-I-S-S-E-A, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, and you will and put in life after, and you will find the book. And um, when you buy the book, the proceeds are not going to me. They're not going to any of the other authors. They are going to an aid service organization to to help with the advancement of HIV and AIDS. Oh, wow. That sounds great. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. Well, you guys go and check out her books on Amazon. And Ms. Clarice, thank you so much for this interview, giving enlightenment advice. Your advice was definitely encouraging and great. Um, Just it's an honor and a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. No problem. And, you know, I hope that your message, your story reaches the masses and you can continue to advocate for those who need it. Thank you. Thank you. I will. You're welcome. Well, thank you for being on my show and thank you guys for listening. Um, Have a great night. Okay. Bye. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical conditions in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you are experiencing.